Welcome, everybody, to another Angry Wargamer podcast. I'm your host, Jason, the Angry Wargamer, and this is another one of our special interviews. Today I have with me uh, a very, very talented painter um, who just started producing miniatures. Um, her name is Shoshi Minis. So, how are you, Shoshi? Yay, you got my name right. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm the, good, thank you. I think I'm the only person that's ever gotten it right on the first try. <laughs> you are. You, you actually are. <laughs> so. That's awesome. Um, so, tell us a little bit about yourself so we can get into that. Sure. Well, I, I have been an artist my whole life. I started out um, as a professional artist in about 2006. I um, was a professional watercolorist, and I also have my Bachelor of Arts in two-dimensional studio art from um, university. And let's see, I got, I've been a nerd my whole life as well. And so um, eventually when I, my gallery closed, I needed to shop around for a new one. Um, I rented out a little studio and um, was going to make a new portfolio so I could do that. And in the meantime, my Reaper Bones Kickstarter rewards showed up. It was the first time I'd ever spent that much money on any miniatures of any kind. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and at that time, I, was only, I, was, I wasn't playing any games except for Pathfinder um, and D&D and stuff. And um, I had played in the past War Machine and um, had painted a little bit then. But, um, but yeah, so then I thought, cause I had used my art money to pay for the Kickstarter rewards. And at the time it was like 300 bucks for that Kickstarter reward, which like I said, it was the most I'd ever spent at that time. <laughs> I, I, I missed that yeah. one cause it was too expensive. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, it's funny because since then I've spent almost that on just one Warhammer box, right? Like the. <laughs> <laughs> it's true it's true it's true i know so um so i was like okay i've got these there's 25 orcs came with my reward and that would leave me with like all of the other ones and i was like i'll just paint all these orcs and sell them for like you know five bucks a piece and then i'll have my my you know money back and um i started painting those and i got distracted and painted some other ones and i found that People who are like me, which is nerdy, impulse-buying hobbyists, <laughs> <laughs> are really easy to market to. <laughs> and, and, yeah, so, like, I would put in my eBay auctions, I would put, like, this is, this lich will pwn your party, and he looks like Skeletor. And people would be like, click, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's too funny. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was so much easier. And then I remember the first time I sold a Pathfinder uh, cleric. It was one of the, it was the Kira cleric that everybody played as an NPC. And I painted her to look like the book art, you know? Oh, yeah. And so she had all these tattoos and all this freehand all over her. And I sold her. She was, I think I bought the mini for four ninety nine. And I sold her to somebody in Tasmania for like $115. Holy cow. And, and I was like, okay, the margin on this is way better than my watercolors and I don't have to do nearly as much work. So I want to, I've always said I want to work smarter, not harder. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a good model to live by. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, so I, I just started doing more and more. And when, once I did that Pathfinder I was like, okay, I think I'm going to switch. And so I completely switched over. I had like no following or anything. And I started out my Facebook page called Shoshi's Magnificent Minis. And it was meant to be completely tongue in cheek. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> they weren't that magnificent, you know. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, and then um, gradually I would just basically post what I post what I was doing. I would post like little, you know, kind of not tutorials exactly, but like step by steps. Like this is what I did. This is the next step. This is the next. 
and not meant to be like specifically a tutorial, but just kind of a show and tell kind of thing. Cause I really don't consider myself a very good writer. Um, and so I would always have, st I couldn't do blog posts or magazine articles or anything like that. Cause I just always got like stage fright. Yeah. I had the same issue. I tried doing the blog thing and I'm not a very good writer. And I, I like the same thing with you. I'd be able to take those pictures and post the step by steps, but I would, like, I didn't know how to explain anything. <laughs> right. So. That's exactly right. Um, before I got into mini painting, though, I also um, used to be a substitute teacher. Oh. So I have a, a, you know, a teaching background as well. I used to teach all grades and all subjects um, when I substitute taught. But I specifically would get on the, um, the favorite lists of the art teachers. And so that what was nice was they didn't even have to make lesson plans for me when I would teach for them because I could just <laughs> come up with stuff, right? <laughs> hey, that's I mean that I think that's perfect actually. <laughs> yeah. But the teaching background is kind of really what helped me get a leg up on my social media following was cuz I was showing what I was doing and I was able to explain it well, you know. Did you when you made the switch from watercolor to miniatures, did you find yeah. that a little bit harder or was that just like an easy switch for you? It was not easy. It took a few years and lots of workshops and, you know, basically training. They say, they say in art that it takes 10,000 hours to master something, right? Yeah. Or you find somebody who is a master and you – you learn from them to make this the jump quicker. But I had all this, you know, I had my art background and everything. So I have all my fundamentals already, mm -hmm. but I am switching to basically what amounts to a brand new medium. Um, watercolor is um, light to dark. So you're preserving oh. the white of the paper and that, that becomes your white. Whereas uh, acrylic is the opposite. It's dark to light most of the time. Yeah, and I never thought about it that way. I didn't. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it was just kind of reversing some of that. And one of the first critiques I got from people was that my shadows were really good, but my highlights were not strong enough. And it took a long time to get to where like I could kind of, you know, see it. Um trying to think if there was but yes taking lots of workshops from other people <laughs> helped me level up to to where I um could you know people started approaching me for commissions and stuff was there was there any specific technique that took you a while and you just had that moment where it just clicked and everything made sense yeah there were a lot of them um so, okay, but yes and no. So non-metallic <laughs> metal is one of these, but it didn't click for a long time. I took so many non-metallic metal classes. And in every class, I was able to follow along and, you know, produce exactly what the teacher was trying to show. But then when I would get home, it's like it didn't work. I couldn't do it. And then one day on my Twitch channel... People were like, you know, I was like, do you want me to try to show you non-metallic metal? I don't, I kind of know the idea of it, but I don't know. I can't, I've never been able to do it. And they're like, yes, yes, yes. Right. <laughs> of course they are. Everybody wants to know how to do it, except for me. I try to avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I knew the reason why I wanted to do non-metallic metal is because non-metallic, if you do know how non-metallic metal works, it will make your true metallic metals better. Oh. Because it's all about the theory. Okay. And all non-metallic metal, and this is the secret that people don't really teach that I've seen, it's just drawing. It's literally drawing on the mini. Like if you're like drawing light. So like when I was in college, we'd have a still life and we would they would set it up with like all white shapes. And we would have to draw a white sphere next to a white, you know, cylinder next to a white cone on a white background. And that would force us to look at how light, you know, and shadow shadow. Yeah. Fall. And 
all it is is applying those techniques on the model and kind of understanding light. Um, so I, but I knew all this, right? I could mentally do it, but I couldn't do it. Right. So when I started trying to show the, um, the Twitch followers, um, because one of the things you can, you actually learn most by teaching because you really have to know it in order to teach it. Right. So somehow by, by teaching what other people were trying to show me, it finally all clicked. That makes sense. I, <laughs> I struggle. No, it really does. It really does. I struggled with, um, wet blending. Like that was my, my whole thing. And still like to this day, like my blends aren't like super smooth or anything, but I, it just one day, it just like clicked in my head and I was just like, cause I was just doing it and I was like, everything just clicked. And I was like, man, like, why is it all of a sudden working? Like, what wasn't I doing before that? Like that I'm doing now that makes sense. And then I come to figure out that I signed up for the Warhammer plus thing. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, Louise was talking about, um, the wet blending and how she does the wet blending on like a small, like little, uh, Panzagor shield. Yeah. And I was like, that is so much easier than the way I do it. I'm like, what the <laughs> heck? Like, <laughs> I was like, so yeah, yeah, it's, I'm always like learning new things and it's, it's cool to see how different people do different things. And it's, it's the same, it's the same concept just done a different way. So. Well, one thing I have, you know, I, I consider myself like an, a forever learner, you know, forever student. And one of the things that's really important is that you can learn something from anyone and it yes. doesn't, it doesn't matter if they're a master or not, or they could be a beginner. They could have never painted something and you can show them your piece and they'll be able to point out something that maybe you didn't see. Yep. I've had that happen you know? before. <laughs> There's a lot of people though that kind of can't get out of their own ego and they can't learn from people who they deem as lower than them. That took me a really long time to get over. Like, <clears throat> so I've been, I started painting when you became a professional. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> yeah. so it's been, it's been a while. It's been close. Like I took painting more seriously around like the 2006 mark. Yeah. Um, and so I've been doing it for I've been in the hobby for almost 20 years, over 20 years now, I think longer than me. Ninety nine is I started playing the games and like, you know, my skeletons were literally dipped in white and dot the eyeballs with red. And that's my skeleton. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, I so I, like I've come along a long, long way. So for me, it was. Like when you said like somebody would see it, like uh, something I did and then they tell me something and be like, what are you talking about? And then like I'd had that like weird ego and it's it took me a really long time to get away from that. And even now when I see like new people stuff like <clears throat> not, not even not now because I've, I'm kind of over it now. Like when I see beginner pieces or the people who just started painting and they, they they sometimes won't. It took me a really long time not to critique other people's stuff like that was another yep. thing. And if they ask for if they ask for the, the critique, I, I give it to them. But I always make sure anytime somebody shows me something, no matter like how bad I think it looks or how good I think it looks or whatever, like whatever, however I, I, I view it, I always point out something I like on it. Yes. And good. that it, it, it to me, it seems more motivating to the people because right. it's like, wow, he really said I did a good job. And. I don't like I'm not one of those people that want to be looked up to. You know what I mean? Like, no, yeah. So, like, I, so when somebody asks me, I'm like, I'm already like, like, I'm already flattered, but I'm like, I mean, I'm the wrong guy to talk to. Like, you shouldn't be talking to me. Like, so like, I'm, I'm like, I'm one of those kind of people, but I always make sure to like, now it, it, it hasn't become pushing people away from the painting and like, Oh, I'm better than everybody. Now it's like, Hey, let's all learn together. Like I'm in that yeah. stage. I've been in that stage for probably like a good five, six years now. So yeah. Yeah. And I like it way better here. <laughs> well, so as a substitute teacher and as a teacher, cause I taught, I also taught private lessons and stuff before I ever substitute taught and taught people, taught adults and children how to draw and paint. Um, 
one of the things that I've learned as, as an artist is that everybody goes to school with a box of crayons, right? Yep. And everybody starts out as an artist and then over time they're told they're not. Yeah. And especially like amongst peers and about the average adult draws at the fourth grade level. And that's about when they stop It's because at some point they just see that they're not good enough. Right. That's when they're. And so I, when I see adult painters painting miniatures, I recognize that even though they're adults, chances are they have a inner fourth grader that has been told they're not good enough. And Mm -hmm. those, those kids inside us, they don't go away. You know, it's part of why we play games and play toys, you know, as adults. (laughs) No, I think that honestly, I think that's where my, like my ego originally showed up because I used to draw a lot and I entered my first drawing competition in probably fourth or fifth grade. Um, I came in second place. Then the next year I entered, I came in first place. And then I came in high school and I did this huge transformative thing when I went from a hand to a beetle and I was using charcoals and I went all out and I took first place with that piece. And I was like, I got this drawing thing. Let's move on to something else now. And, (laughs) and I, that's honestly like, that's, I haven't drawn in years and I probably couldn't even flesh out a decent stick figure right now. (laughs) Your inner artist is like, been there, done that. We don't need to do anymore. (laughs) Yeah. But that's because that's because I was young and I was just like, and at one point, like I even said that I said this in a, in a painting group at one point I said, (laughs) I said, I know all, I know of all these techniques what else is there to learn? Like, what should I be learning? And they're like, Oh, you like, you haven't mastered any of them. And I was like, I never said I did. I said, I knew all of them. <laughs> like, right. Where should oh, I be going goodness. now? And then, yeah. So I, I came off like very egotistical. I was like, hm, I know everything. <laughs> <laughs> so have you mastered any of those since? Um, I got dry brushing down. <laughs> there we go. And you know what? It is a valid technique and I will fight people. No, I have, um, I've gotten really good at, um, the wet blending stuff. I, I don't, um, I don't call my highlighting normal highlighting. I call it like feathering on that final. Like I try, that's why my yeah. stuff looks very, it looks water. I've been told it looks watercolor, like, because oh, okay. it doesn't, it's not smooth. It's more of like hashed on light. Yeah. Highlights. I get you. Yeah. And um, so I get I get a lot of critique on that. Like you need to smooth it out. You need to smooth it out. And I've honestly I ran into somebody within the last year that's told me, don't listen to those people. Yeah. That is your style. He yes. goes, you don't have to be smooth like everybody else. Like every, you don't yes. want to be everybody else because then you don't stand out from anybody. And I was like, you know what? You were the first person to tell me that. <laughs> I 100% so. agree. When I first started doing competitions, I I have a very painterly style. Like people would say, it looks like you took a painting and put it on a mini, like an oil painting. Because, you know, you could see the brush marks, you could see it. But it was really exciting for people because they're like, it's something different, right? Yeah. Um, but then when I started competing, people in the who are judging would say, it's wrong. And that went against everything I'd ever been taught about art in, you know, in my life. I was like, there's no wrong way to art. There's the only the way to get it to how, look how you want it to, you know, and these, yeah. and I'm, I'm going to beef about these competitions. This is why big, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of competitions. Mini painting competitions came out of the fact that, Minis came from gamers, and gamers like to compete. They like to win. They like to be told they're the best. But if they really, if like, if they just all played for the game, right, we wouldn't have competitions. And for me, that's how art is. Art is is the game itself. I have to love the game. I don't love being. I don't have to be the best to be able to love the game. Does that make sense? No, exactly. And. Here's where I struggle because I agree with you on the competition part of it, but I, and I and I'm I'm nervous when I compete like in any. Oh, I am too. I, well, anything. I don't compete anymore, but I yeah, I definitely used to get anxiety about it. And I have not entered. 
I've been wanting to enter a Golden Demon. And the last competition I entered was the Crystal Brush. And then I quickly realized it was a popularity contest. And I said, I'll never do that again. And then I was like, well, Golden Demon has real judges. And I feel like, (laughs) and well, yeah, I laugh about it too now because I know the truth. But it's, um, it, it was weird because it's like you weren't taken seriously as an artist unless you had that trophy. So it's like, well, that again comes from the competition and it's, it's, um, I hope that, you know, people start moving away from that. I don't see it happening because mini painting is so tied to gaming and the -hmm. the temperament of a gamer is to compete. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's true. (laughs) <laughs> All right, let's let's move let's move away from this uh, yes. conversation. I, just, I wanted to know how how you how the switch from watercolors and two D went to miniature paint because I I think I I find that very interesting because I am a big person that believes in learning other mediums only helps your art. That's that's true of any art. Yeah, on any art. And this I just saw a TikTok about this recently. The guy, the gal was saying. She said that your individual skill and mastery of a specific medium is not your gift. Your gift is your creativity, which allows you to be creative and be able to make these things with any medium once you reach mastery with those, right? Like, or, right. or even without. Huh. I and I love that. that. I just was like, okay, that's my new, that's my new mantra. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I like I've gone to the new thing of just having the knowledge isn't enough. Like this is something like the reason we the reason that that mantra out there is, you know, paint more minis, paint your minis and stuff like that. Yeah. The more you do it, the easier, the faster and the and the better it becomes because it's practice. Yes. Practice is how it works, not just having the knowledge you could have all the knowledge in the world if you can't apply it it's not gonna it's not gonna help you <laughs> right right so well and it's, it goes back to that ten thousand hours i mean yeah you can you can anybody who spends ten thousand hours of something will eventually probably master it you know yeah all right speaking <laughs> of mastering stuff you're doing something really really cool that i'm like super like excited for you and like I know it just makes me happy. Yay, good. <laughs> you're, you're the you're the first person that I've I actually know um that produces miniatures, but you're not just producing any miniature, you're producing a special kind of miniature. You yes. wanna talk about that for a second? Sure. So when I began in the miniature business, um obviously it's heavily male dominated and I get that and that Men like sexy girls, and then of course they're going to make models of them to paint because that is fun and attractive, and and you know I totally get that. But one of the things that I noticed was that there was nothing for people who like men, or you know. And so I was like, I would bring that up to other miniature producers, and they would always agree with me. And I'd always point out, like you know, a lot of households women hold the purse strings in a lot of house. I've heard I've heard so many of. <laughs> People who commission from me say, "Okay, well, I have to ask my wife if I can get <laughs> if I can get my, a commission from you, basically." Um, but so the so the other thing is that women love shopping, and we like <laughs> buying pretty things too. Yeah. So <laughs> there's just piles of money to be made, right? But nobody was doing it, and I couldn't figure out why. Um, so a few people were on board and they, they got me to help them. Um, and I did, I tried. Um, and so, but there was always something missing. There were, they just didn't quite, and I don't, I don't know if it got in the way if their own bias or masculinity or however, you know, not being a woman, not having that female gaze got in the way. They just didn't make the, models quite right you know like something was missing something was missing yeah and then um adam poots from kingdom death actually got the closest and he's actually i would say he nailed it but his minis are very just like all his female minis are kind of lewd so are the male minis and he's only got five male pinups really so 
Yeah. I thought he had but more the, than that. Oh, wow. No, but the, he's been gradually expanding his regular line to make the men more, you know, attractive and not just biffy. Okay, yeah. So that is nice. Um, so it's not even like, it's not even a pinup. It's just like a hot dude, right? Like, <laughs> you know, just like the women yeah, are yeah. in his models. <laughs> No, it's true though. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's really what I wanted to see was just variety. And um, so at one point, I had worked with a guy, and we'd worked with them. We work on a model, and it was like he really listened to me, but he's like I said, I still missed the mark. Um, he we had basically made a character that kind of looked like a Link figure from like Legend of Zelda, not okay. quite, but like his own imagination. And he had put like a belt across the chest and a belt across the booty and a belt across the crotch. And I was like, you've already covered him up more than any female model I've seen. You know? <laughs> and true. He, it's very true, he, though. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you're, you're hiding all the parts, you know? <laughs> um, so, so that's when I was kind of like, I kind of, I, and I'll be honest, I got a little fed up and I was like, fine, I'll do it. Cause I really didn't want to in the beginning. I wanted oh. somebody else to do it so that I could paint it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Smarter, <laughs> not harder. I got it. <laughs> right, right. I didn't want to do all that work. I didn't know what went into it either at the time. Yeah. And so, um, I, I left my Twitch channel. I started a Patreon and, I started like started down the path of making male pinups and then I realized no I I'll leave that to people other people. Other people will make more lewd minis and pinups. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to sexualize men the way me, women are sexualized in minis. Oh yeah, it's like you can't find it's hard to find a female model uh miniature that is hasn't been sexualized in some type of way. Yeah. Or doesn't have her hair perfectly covering her nipples so that she can be shown on social media, you know, yeah. like, no, yeah, exactly. Right. Or, or wearing like a male mini that has hair perfectly. Yeah. Or covered, wearing you know? some sort of cloth <laughs> where it's like painted, like see through or yeah, it's, I, yeah, no, I gotcha. Like, and the worst part is, is I'm, I, it doesn't matter female or male or whatever the type of miniature is. I'm still a child when it comes to the, you know, the parts of the body where I'm right, painting. No, like I still are. grin. And and like, I want to acknowledge <laughs> that. I want to point out that women are too, okay. you know, um, when those male models, when those male pinups first came out, I'm going to be like straight up. I, I was 12 when those came out. Oh. I was like, put up the llama drinking out of the barrel with the thirst, you know, like, <laughs> have you seen that meme? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, people were kind of shocked because they hadn't seen that behavior from women before. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but believe me. We, also, when I first started looking into getting minis done, when I, I went to an all women's gamer group and I asked them, I said, what would you guys like to see? And they wanted straight up porn on a mini. <laughs> and I was like, nope, I'm not putting my name on that. Nope. <laughs> I was really shocked. <laughs> wow. That's um, unexpected. I'm not going to lie. That, that I was because when somebody asked me, like when somebody asked me, like what kind of miniature I want to see my I've never gone to fully nude. But then again, that's already out there. So it's not like something no, that I'd be asking for. Everything's been done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> every everything's literally been done so it's like yeah. if you ask me what kind of miniature i'd want i'd be more aligned to describe an environment that i want the miniature to come from than i am describing a yeah. miniature yeah. what i hadn't seen being done was because i mean even in maybe not in the miniature scene but there's definitely been sexualized male figures out there and what I wanted to do was I wanted to focus on things we don't see as much, like specifically, like my two themes of this first series are male beauty and male emotion. Um, because as I started doing the first model, um, he was he's a, he's an angel. I wanted the most positive representation of men that I could think of, right? Like so, he's an angel, and. 
um, he he's like kind of holding his chest. The idea behind him is that angels in lore don't have souls like humans. And he was kind of just realizing this and kind of holding like holding his chest and just in this moment of like grief that he doesn't have a soul like a human. And that's why the, the title of it's called Wishing for a Soul. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And <laughs> the thing is, then I started realizing like, when was the last time I saw a vulnerable? Now, you have to have all. You can't just have one. Mm-hmm. Vulnerable, attractive, even maybe sexy, male figure, male model. I'm going to say never. I have not. Right. And I thought about why is that? And I thought about it and I was like, well, society doesn't let men have emotions in the same way, especially in the fantasy and, you know, in the fantasy thing where supposed to, they're supposed to be tough and stoic and like, or warlike and, you know, strong. Heroic. And yeah, right? it's the, that, in, that nothing, is nothing wrong with those qualities, but that's yeah. very limited. And I know men that have the full range of emotions. And I wanted to see that. I wanted to see the gentle side of men. I wanted to see the, you know, I was like, I want to see, I want to see fathers and sons and lovers. I don't just want to see the warrior. There's so much more to men than just this one narrow ideal. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think that stems back to like, you know, like we're not supposed to show emotion. Like that's how a lot of us were raised and, you know, the whole societal societal thing. And I think, well, at least for sure your father's fathers are, you know, it's not been very many generations. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's more acceptable now for a man to have to show and be with their emotions than it was say 20 years ago. Yeah, for sure. And that's a, I think that's a good thing because, um, we, you know, like there, there are so many, like I said, so many positive sides to men. And I wanted to, I wanted to show that. And so, um, each one of my figures in this, this is going to be a series of six male demi humans. And I chose demi humans to start out with because, um, as quote unquote, like monsters or not quite humans, there would be less like, because they're not human they don't have to be held up to the current fantasy ideal, right? Right. Because we don't know what an angel looks like. We don't know if it, you know what a <laughs> what a um, harpy look like a male harpy looks like, right? These are made up things, so we can they can have made up everything, made up emotions, made up hot looks, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> no. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> So, so yeah, what, what I was surprised about when I first made, I made a blog post kind of about my little mission statement and stuff. And, you know, I talked about how, like, I want, I want to see the divine masculine, you know, the, the, the protective, the gentle, the, you know, the loving and the, you know, all the, all the emotions. Um, and the response I got from women it was amazing and and of course non-binary and gay men love the idea as well um or non-binary people and gay men <laughs> and then but the 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 response from just the regular um miniature crowd who is generally straight white guys most of the time um were really really positive about it and i was i was like okay so we've hit on something here People are feeling seen, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, ha- th- I have to tell this one story because it really, like, touches me. There was a guy from Australia, and I don't know if you know about Australian men. They have a little bit of a different culture than a- American men. And it's kind of this, like, toughen up, kind of, you know, suck it up, you know, um, I, uh, masculinity. I, uh, I feel like all of Australia is like that, but I have this weird view <laughs> of Australia where everything there is trying to kill them. So well, it is, <laughs> yeah, that's, that is related for sure. Yeah. But so it's, that... it's, it's related in, t- in their history as well, which I'm not going to get into, but the point is, is that he had just, he is, he had just lost his dog 
and he it was a service dog so he needed this dog to really like get around his day because he has a disability and um he really didn't feel like he was able to really grieve for his dog which was more than a dog right it was his companion and his you know just his life at the time and i he originally saw my model and was kind of like oh yeah that's nice i don't think it's for me right but then when he read what i wrote about how this is you know this is about men's feelings and men are emotional beings just like women and i wanted to portray that in my art and he's like i wanted to paint that model and i wanted to paint it with my feelings and I was like, oh, just hit me, you know? Yeah. What, what's even cooler about it at the time, he didn't have the funds to get it. And then right after that, I had another, and I had a, um, a commission client message me who I'd had for years. And he said, hey, I don't have any use for this model, but I really love this idea and I want somebody to have it. So I want to buy somebody this model. And I told him, I was like, you they're, you're just in luck. There's the perfect person. <laughs> That's and perfect it, timing. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. That is so. very cool. <laughs> I I honestly have to say, like, I there's pieces that are not Warhammer related that I like. I understand like painting with your feelings. Like, I get yeah. that for some reason. It just it makes sense to me because there's some pieces where I'm just like, I sit down and like. I find this hobby calming, like to oh, me, very much and so. like more of like a stress relief as much as some of the nonsense that's around. But yeah, it's there's pieces that I've painted where I'm just like, I'm like super happy, or I'm. Um, you can tell some of the pieces I've painted where I'm like angry, or yes, or just like anxious. Like you could tell by just how the paint is laid sometimes like the em- to it yeah like the yeah, emotion that was behind it and so like yeah i understand that paint with the emotion thing like that's very cool <laughs> yeah my whole goal when i first got into mini painting was to get more people to make art and that was a big reason why i never really like i didn't for the longest time i didn't put my teachings behind paywalls you know because i yeah. didn't care um, so much about making money from teaching and things like that. I wanted to get more art into the world. We've got so much tragedy and, you know, just day-to-day BS that, um, you know, I wanted to see more things that delight the eye in my Facebook feeds and on my social media and stuff, because I know that there is, there's like a healing aspect to it. You know, it does really lift people up. Yeah, I call it my prison therapy. <laughs> that's, oh. what I that's what I call. It. I don't because know if that's like, a good way to call it. No, it's not. It's probably not the right way to call it. But that's. No. I mean, that's what I call it because it's like, it's my escape from everything, and right. that's what that's kind of that's what the hobby is for me. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I know a lot of people who um, who have PTSD and or anxiety and. By painting minis, this really is therapeutic. And I've always kind of talked about how painting is medicine. Yeah. Well, I um, do you know do you know Gypsy Jan? Yes, on, Gypsy. She's she's awesome. Yeah, she's she's amazing, and she is like when I first heard her story, where she had a stroke and she had lost oh. her fine motor skills, and she had because we've had a I've had a conversation with her, but she paints really really slowly because she's still developing the fine motor skills back from when she had a stroke. Yeah. And it's literally painting is her physical therapy. And I was like, that is awesome. Like, not only is it like helping you like mentally, but like it's physically getting back those skills that you thought that you lost. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. exactly. Very cool. Yeah. I like her. <laughs> she's one of my favorites. <laughs> So do you have any other questions about my models or the line or what I do. Um, so I know you said it was six of them. Um, yeah. Did you want to talk about what's coming after the angel or do you only want to talk sure. about what's released? Because the I'll one talk that's about coming it now, because he's very close to being released. So it's good timing. Okay. Cause 
I think he like when you told me originally the concept of it, I was like, that is going to be the miniature that I picked up. And then when I saw it, I was like, <laughs> that is awesome. Like, <laughs> this is <That's> awesome. <laughs> so. Um, so the second model, so the first one is the angel and the second model is a merman fisherman. And he also happens to be Filipino. I, when I was going about my process gathering references for my illustrator, um, I found this, um, these really awesome references from this Filipino soap opera called Decibel. And I was like, why can't he be Filipino? Makes sense. It's like an archipelago there. It's warm. You know, it'd be a great place for merman, merman, merpeople to hang out with, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I was like, we don't need any more white minis. We've got plenty. So let's make, again, something we are not seeing enough. Have you ever seen a Filipino mini? And (laughs) no. And so I, I've, I've been talking about this like a lot, like, um, like everything is a white miniature, basically. Like you said too, like everything's white and it, even some of the models were like some of the busts, like they put them in environments where you would think, well, why is, why does it have to be a white person? Like, you know what I oh, mean? Like, yeah, I get you. <laughs> like the, my, one of my favorite miniatures from young miniatures is the, the hunter. And he has a very like native look to him but a very like Caucasian face. And I'm like, this doesn't, it doesn't fit. Like it's a cool looking miniature, but it it doesn't fit. (laughs) So I get you. you. Yeah. And no, um, and I wouldn't have made him this way if it didn't make sense. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that was important to me. And even more importantly, I went to Filipino people, friends of mine, and I asked them what I told them about the idea And I said, what do you think about the idea? And one of the things that came back with me with was make sure he has real Filipino features because I was showing them references of Filipino actors and models. Uh And if you don't know about Filipino culture, that a lot of them are mixed Um, because, you know, Filipino, the Philippines has has a, um, a history of having lots of different people come and colonize them. So, right. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, that is a great idea. I don't have any pictures of people who are like, look indigenously or natively Filipino. And so they sent me pictures of themselves and pictures of cousins. And we kind of mishmashed together this sort of like ideal Filipino guy. And, um, and the other thing about this merman is he is joyously catching a fish. That is my favorite part of that miniature. He because looks how so many of us happy have gone and playful <laughs> and freaked out when we got that big fish. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody can relate to that. <laughs> the, like the, the smile on that miniature's face when I saw it, I was like that, it, what he's doing looks like so much fun. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that was the other thing I wanted to point out is like, when was the last time you saw a male miniature expressing joy? It's very rare. That yeah. isn't like a dwarf or gnome or, or drinking a chubby or, guy. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that. Right. Yeah. No, you, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> You don't ever see a Conan type expressing joy for sure. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> they don't have it. No. <laughs> so, um, so that was super important and, um, and also important that he's not, you know, it's not he just happens to be Filipino, but the thing is that it's not who he is. It's just, it's like who he is, is a, is like a joyous, happy merman. Right. Right. Um, and yeah, one of the things it's very funny, my sculptor, I didn't even realize this until I, I painted the test, but, um, so I'm painting the test and I realized my sculptor kind of snuck this in without me really realizing it, (laughs) but the fish on the end of his spear kind of reminds me of flounder. (laughs) I know. know. (laughs) And I just love that kind of like. Easter egg. It's really great. <laughs> no, that's definitely cool. I like that one. I'm excited for. I was excited for the like when you showed me the angel. I was like, 
oh, that's awesome. And then when you told me about the fisherman, I was like, for some reason, I just feel like this is that's going to be a great one. And then when you when I saw the actual concept, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, yeah, this is this is awesome. <laughs> All right, You want something cool for your podcast? You want to see a reveal of the demon librarian? I think you've you've shown me one. Did I? Did I? Yes, okay. you've shown me. We don't really like. I mean, did I show you the sculpt, or did I just show you the? Um, I think I just have the concept art. The I don't concept think, art. Yeah, I don't think right. I've seen the sculpt. Give me one second, because I will show it to you. Oh, but <laughs> you can edit the space out while I send it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. Nobody, nobody's actually going to see this except for me, because um, right, nobody pays attention to the Facebook. So. <laughs> right, right. Okay, here he is. I'm sending it to your Instagram. Okay. And so this is, he's not quite finished being sculpted. There's a couple more tweaks, but he's, he's pretty much done. Oh yeah. <laughs> now the demon librarian is about how intellectual men are sexy. Yeah. You never see that either. No. In, no. <laughs> in, in fantasy, in pop culture and everything, we get Loki, we get Dr. Strange. And that's pretty close to it for intellectual hotness. And the thing is, both of those are more female gaze, too, right? Loki especially is female gaze, whereas Thor is male gaze. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the other, so the other thing is he's in this pose. He's sitting on a chair and he's shushing. He's, smile, he's like kind of half smiling and shushing. <laughs> and he's holding a book because he's a librarian, right? <laughs> He's got glasses. He's going to have two head possibilities, one with glasses and one without. But the idea behind him is that, like, he's both he's both um, non-threatening male sexuality, which I don't think men understand sometimes. And he is also intellectual sexuality, which I also don't think a lot of men understand. <laughs> <laughs> he... He gives me he gives me vibes of that like strong like silent type like yeah but like playfully like you know uh, it's weird. He's like, come read me. I come here and I'll read you a story. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's it's like hold on a minute. Like stop talking. Let me let yes, me. Exactly. <laughs> he he definitely he definitely has that like. Yeah, no. This he's, not, he's very this naughty, awesome. but he's 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 in a very playful way and not in your face way either. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I really. I, he's going to be really, really popular. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to like I have a mentor in in the industry, and he was saying that this one is going to be really popular. He, he said you started with the most difficult one. The angel was probably was going to be more difficult because he's a good guy right people like the baddies yeah. yeah it's true the bad guys is where i tend to yeah <laughs> to lean and, then I, and then i have the neutral merman in the middle right yeah <laughs> who's still man i can't tell you like how much i love that one because it's like oh, it's good. it's it's very I, I just like the playful nature of it like you don't see yeah. you don't see that it just and the miniature looks like it's having fun like it, does. It, it really it's not one of those like you don't you know like it's in your face you don't have to think about what it's what he's trying to do it's like he's, it's very he's like snapshot fun. yeah in that moment yeah, yeah. right yeah. when he catches that fish and that huzzah you know <laughs> exactly yeah no yeah i i really yeah. like that one i really like that one <laughs> yeah and then that's what art is meant to do right it's meant to evoke emotions in us it's meant for us to relate to it and that's why these are a little bit different than just a miniature. These are these are my art, you know, and it's it just happens to be that I had an illustrator and a sculptor do my painting and sculpting for me, right? Right. So <laughs> that's where that's where that creativity is the gift comes into play. So we haven't talked about it yet, but what scale are these miniatures in? They are fifty-four millimeter. And okay. that was voted on by my Patreon patrons, um, which is Shoshi's Minis. All of my social media is social, so, Shoshi's Minis. 
Um, I'll, yeah, that's I'll actually link your website of... in the show notes. Oh, so good. that way, whoever listens to it will have access to just click on it. <laughs> the reason why they wanted 54 is a lot of them were gamers. So they were used to 32 mil, right? Mm-hmm. And this was like not super big and, and intimidating like a 75. And then, of course, the 70 the people who are used to painting 75 mil, this isn't that big of a step down for them. Gotcha. So it was a perfect medium, especially for a brand new line. And one of these days, you know, I might eventually make busts or, you know, I might, I'm probably going to make a D&D series as well. And those will probably be 32 mil. Very cool. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So are you, you, okay, I guess what's your next steps to expand into full line miniatures or do you want to stay with this series it's going to stick with series is because I don't want, I don't, because of the way I run my business, I don't want to ever carry inventory. I've done that when I was a fine artist. It's a nightmare. <laughs> and so I'm always going to probably do pre-orders. So if you hear about a mini that you think you want from me, get it because it won't be available online unless I happen to have a few extras, like I happen to have a few angels left from the original pre-order, but it wasn't intended that way. I was just going to make as many as people ordered originally. Gotcha. So, but I ended up getting a price break at, at 200. So I went ahead and ordered a few more and it wasn't that many more. So I was like, okay, we'll do it. Cause we get a little price break. Do you think, I don't know. How do I phrase it? I don't, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this question. Do you think the bigger the releases become and just word of mouth that, because the angels are all over the place. I see people, the, the painted <laughs> ones, like everywhere. And I'm like, I know. wow. <laughs> I've been so surprised at that. I don't know if it's because I share every single one. I don't care how good it is. I share it. <laughs> um, or if it's because people are really excited about this and they want to help me get the word out. I think that might be part of it. Um, but yeah, every, I, I'm, I'm counting on word of mouth because I'm tr- I'm basically trying to make a brand new market. Right. And eventually I want other people to start. I want other producers to see like, this is doable. You, I'm going to, I'm going to say something here that might get me in trouble. Hopefully it won't get me canceled. (laughs) But if the current industry had wanted to do this, they would have figured out a way to do it by now. I don't think anybody looked at it though. They didn't. And yeah. if they did try to do it, no, there were people who tried, but they didn't do it in a way that worked. So then they decided that it wasn't, it wasn't possible. They thought, they said, well, it, we, we didn't, cause they didn't market it right. Or they didn't make the model right. Whatever. There wasn't that correctness. Mm-hmm. And so then they just decided, no, there's no market for this kind of thing. Yeah but they didn't realize you have to make a market for something like this. This is a niche niche. Yeah. <laughs> the niche of the niche. <laughs> the niche niche, but it doesn't have to be. And like I said, my ultimate goal is that the people who I'm kind of trying to represent eventually, like, um, like women and the, um, black indigenous people, of color and LGBTQIA those people are people who are not served by the current, um, you know, industry cr- currently, not in a large amount anyway. And I want other people to see what I'm doing and to do it as well so that we have more different kinds of creators creating. Right. And that is the best way to get the, the representation is to, you know, get you more people start, involved. You start yeah. making the, the models that represent you. Yeah, I can agree with that. So, I, I to go back to my question. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with sorry, the, with the more track. with the more popularity that it it's going to get because yeah, obviously people are talking, people are showing it off. It's it's like like I said, it's like everywhere now. <laughs> will you will you cons- will you be holding more inventory later on, or is that just something where you're just not going to do it at all? You're just going to take the pre-orders do- and go from there. Yeah, we'll just do bigger and bigger pre-orders. But there is a there is a thing. This is something I put on my website from the very beginning, is that after every series, at the end of the series, we'll put out a collector set of that series. Okay. So, 
gas. That's been that's been everywhere. Been really transparent about that. So every model is going to be a limited run. However, at the end of the series, we'll do another limited run of the collector set. And then once those series and those collector sets are gone, that's it. That's, you know, yeah, that's it. And, uh, and I know that leaves me open to recasting and stuff because people get FOMO. But I thought, you know, I don't. I, I think there's just certain things you can't avoid. Right. You yeah. know, when you're making um, prints of anything. You know, when I made prints of my watercolor, people would rip the images off and sell them on their bar mitzvah, you know, flyer. You know, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, I, th I think the I, I think the art industry as a whole, you see a lot more counterfeit and yeah. theft than you do yeah. in any other real market. I think I, I am planning on getting all of these copywritten. And um, so I will be able to protect myself. You know, so that is a plus. Yeah, but yeah. I'm going to get them registered copyright. And what that just means is that if I take somebody to court um, and they're found to have broken my copyright, they have to pay for my court costs and fees and lawyer. Yeah, but it it comes down to your time also. So I, I get yeah. like the I get the defense part of it. Trust me, I get it. Like <laughs> I'm not saying don't do it, but then it's like I feel like people sometimes try to like overwhelm smaller creators oh yeah so i don't want you to become yeah. overwhelmed <laughs> no. I, I want you to keep doing it <laughs> i would be really disappointed if a bigger miniature company turned around and just copied off me it's, yeah, but, it was, it's different if they're making their own thing in a similar vein but if they're yeah. actually like taking my ideas and my things and making their own versions of them that's kind of not cool yeah but i think we kind of already discussed that whatever yeah. they were doing before they were just missing something where yeah. you're getting everything <laughs> 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 well and i'm also so. kind of counting on like if they had wanted to do it they would have done it and maybe they won't maybe they still won't want to do it yeah <laughs> I mean, you want you like you said, you want people to create and you want people to do it. It's just sometimes the bigger ones chasing the profit don't put as much care into yeah. the idea. It, it as always you shows, have. doesn't it? Yeah. When, yeah. No, it does. It, I agree. It does. <laughs> so, um, that's all I've I, I have to really ask you. That's all I, I kind of want. And we're hitting the hour mark, and I like sure, to keep sure. these around an hour. Um, obviously I could talk to you like forever. So, <laughs> um, do you have, uh, do you want to plug anything? Like I said, I was going to put your, um, your My website Patreon for sure. Okay. Um, patreon.com slash show she's minis. And then I'm currently most active on TikTok. So if you want to plug my TikTok, Oh yeah. Um, those you are the two places where I'm at and that people can really like connect with me. I repost a lot of my TikTok content and stuff on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter now. So I'm not really like living on those platforms like I used to. Gotcha. So if Can you, you really want to connect with me, TikTok and Patreon. Patreon is the best because you get to really get to be part of my Discord. You get to be part of my um, – I only do um, sponsored lives now. Um, and so – I do have a um, live stream for my Patreons every month. That's just for them. So that's something they get, they get notice of all that. They get a notification of um, when my models are going to like they get early notification of when my models are going to come out. They get a little coupon coupon code and yeah, there's all kinds of little bennies in there. It's, it's all support based though. So people hopefully won't be expecting physical things cause it's not, it's not that sort of Patreon. Gotcha. That's something I need to talk to you about too, because I didn't, I still don't understand. <laughs> and at some point, I was going to try to set something up like that for myself. So. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, can you can all of those be reached through your website, or are they all separate? You can. I think they're. Yeah, they're no, they're all on my website, but they're also on my um, bio and my TikTok. Okay. Um, I've got a like a link tree kind of thing going oh. on. Cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll actually good. I'll put your website and then I'll put your link tree in yeah. the show notes. So that way people can just click on it when they're listening to this. <laughs> good, good. 
cool. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and thank you for coming here. Um, it was a blast talking to you, especially about your new endeavors and kind of how you got started in the hobby. That was awesome. Thank you. So I appreciate um, coming here. This was fun. Yeah. No, we'll definitely do it again sometime. Um, maybe on your next release when I when I get my hands on the fisherman. <laughs> yes. <So. laughs> That'd be great. All right. Thank you. And um, we'll talk to you again. All right.